Well, in the Atlanta Journal and Constitution, there was a survey a couple of years ago, and I want to see how this fares with some of the mothers in this place. And the question is this, are you ready? What mothers want for Mother's Day? What mothers desire, want for Mother's Day? Number one, the question, and these were anonymous surveys, so the, the mothers didn't have to put their names. On Mother's Day, if I had an hour for an activity, one hour for an activity, and I had a choice, and here are the choices, a massage or a bike ride, the massage on one out. <laughs> Number two, in the morning on Mother's Day, I would prefer two out of ten said a sunrise breakfast with the kids. Eight out of ten said they'd just soon sleep in. <laughs> These were honest mothers, weren't they? Number three, when picking out a gift, two-thirds said <coughs> someone else just needs to pick it out. One-third said, just give me the cash, I'll go get my own gift. Thank you. <clears throat> Number four, one out of three mothers said they secretly want the entire day to themselves. Well, I, I need to share with you, those of you that showed up with family, uh, you're stuck with us today. <laughs> and so that desire will not be met, but we appreciate you so much, and we are glad that you're here today. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for those matriarchs of our lives, not just mothers, but female role models who have stood in the gap, who have dreamed big dreams for us, who've had enlarged vision for us, but most of all, who love us. For them we thank you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Well, one of the toughest things in life is living with unfulfilled desires. To experience desire is a normal part of life. From the moment we take our first breath, desire has been a part of us. We long for air. We desire to breathe. And there are good desires. Desire is not necessarily intrinsically bad. There are good desires. Some desires we have are good, like the desire to be compassionate or to help someone who is in need. And then there are those that are not so good. Some desires, well, the desire to possess something, to be obsessed with something that does not belong to us. So some desires are just a result of being human, like the desire for food, companionship, and friendship. But even those desires can be twisted when they are not surrendered unto the Lord. And when that desire is not surrendered unto the Lord, it can take over our lives. It can become an obsession. And that obsession, the Bible tells us, can lead to all kinds of people. Even the song explains and illustrates for us that emotion.
function of not having a fulfilled desire. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I would liken it to good desires where one has to wait. A friend of mine who served in a church where I served had to step away from a music ministry. He played piano because he had carpal tunnel syndrome. So he had multiple surgeries and he was waiting so he could activate that gift that God has given him again. But it was agonizing on him. Not the pain of the surgery, but not using that creativity that God had given him. And then for the missionary who longs to be overseas in a village to serve and share Christ, and yet the resources haven't come in yet for them to head out into that venture they call to. And so there are these unfulfilled desires that can be painful to live with. And that is exactly what we're talking about in, in the culture of an instant gratification world. Uh, ways that we deal with unfulfilled desire. Not all of them are healthy. Some people deal with this pain by trying to eliminate desire altogether in their lives, pretending that they don't have it, that it's not there, or somehow pushing it aside. And we, we bury that desire beneath our busyness. It can move into cynicism and bitterness. Sometimes we hide it with humor. But when we do that, we, we lose something. To experience desire is to open one's heart, even to the possibility of pain. But to shut down desire is to die altogether. So this opens up a baffling question as we look at this Mother's Day text. Why would God give us desires and then leave us to live with these right desires unfulfilled? Why would he put these desires in us and yet not allow us to fulfill them? Well, you know we're in a series, and I've enjoyed it, I've loved it, it's Heroes. And we've looked at men and women from Scripture that had real character. And you know, to be a hero, it's not just someone that is normal or ordinary. It's when someone who is normal and ordinary allows God to do something extraordinary. And that is the case with Barnabas, a son of encouragement. When he would come, he got the nickname. His name was Joseph. And they said, here he comes. Here comes Barnabas. He is so encouraging. It makes us do things we wouldn't normally do. Great things. And then we talked about King Josiah and how King Josiah really broke a cycle of despair and disobedience. His fathers had done what was evil in the sight of God, the Bible says, but he did what was right. He never, never turned to the right or to the left. He was not distracted away from what God had called him to do for the people of God. Today I want us to look at Hannah. Hannah is introduced to us as one who had every reason to be unhappy. Uh, partly because of all that was going on within her, physically and emotionally, but also for all that was around her and the people that surrounded her. Let's look at the cast real quick. 
And by the way, I want to say Jimmy did a great job with those Hebrew names. Uh, Hannah, pretty easy and common for us to, to know as a name. And Hannah was married to Elkanah. Elkanah also had another wife named Penina. So capture with me this, this cast. And then there was Eli the priest. And so we, we discover her story. She had every reason to be despondent and discouraged. One was her personal challenge. If you look in your message notes with me, you'll find that it says in verse 6 of that first chapter, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. She had felt forgotten in many ways by God. She didn't understand why she couldn't physically be a mother, because that was an unmet desire that she had to be a mother. And I think about Mother's Day today and how infertility up against the backdrop of Mother's Day can be devastating. You know, for many of us, it's a joyous time. But for someone who's longing to be a parent and in a season of infertility, it can be a crushing blow to deal even with the celebrations of others who are having babies. I, I think about when we went through a five-year window and we were longing to be a, child, a parent. And, um, and baby showers, dealing with getting an invitation to a baby shower, and it just did not go over well. And then someone would come running up and say, we're pregnant, and we had longed for that. And, and then when there would be an infant baptism, that I could see a tear roll down Delia's face. And, and every Mother's Day was a haunting reminder that she wasn't a mother yet, and she had longed to be a mother since she was a little girl, and God had put that desire in her heart. Well, the beautiful part of that story is we baptized our first son right here. Tim Bagwell baptized Jacob. He's 23. And he's visiting making this one. That was a desire that had been put on Delia's heart and my heart. And God fulfilled that. Why not motherhood? Hannah must have wondered. Perhaps the most difficult thing was that her womb was closed. She had longed to be a mother, but it was exacerbated by the fact that she was in the midst of a dysfunctional setting. She had Penina, the other wife of Elkina. Now, polygamy is wrong, and it's dysfunctional, and God never intended for it to be a part of the culture of Israel. But it was. And we see, it doesn't take a family therapist to see the dysfunction because Penina is prolific. She's having child after child after child. And the scripture tells us that she did not keep that quiet when it came to Hannah. She antagonized Hannah with what was going on in her body and how she was able to provide a child. And for a woman in that setting, that was huge. And then she had a husband. Bless his heart. I, I could have helped him. Uh, if you'll see in the scripture, you, 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 you see him saying, uh, I, 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 uh, I see that you're sad. And he was trying to be helpful. And, and so he 
he goes to Shiloh for this celebration. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how celebrations can be the hardest time on us when we feel as though we don't have a fulfilled desire, or we're struggling with something like Christmas or other celebrations. And so he goes to Shiloh for a celebration with his wives, and what they would do is they would go to the priest, and they would place before the priest the sacrifice, and then they would get the second half of the sacrifice, and they would be able to consume it as a meal. And, and he took the part of that, the balance of the sacrifice, to Penina, but it says he loved Hannah. Hannah's husband loved her and gave her a second portion. It's a sign of honor. But then he did something that if I could have just got to him in time. Because he he said, Why are you sad? That's good. But then he said, I know you're not able to conceive, but am I not worth more than ten sons? <laughs> Elkina, it's not about you, buddy. I, 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 if I could have helped him to say, she wants to be a mother, you're involved, you're playing a role, but she has a heart's desire, and you're shifting it toward you. Move her toward God. And then, well, we Christians, we're well-intentioned, aren't we? I mean, we really are. I mean, in our helplessness, something, sometimes we attempt things that aren't necessarily helpful, and they'll kind of helps us with that. I mean, what would you say to someone like a Hannah? And you'd be amazed at what people say. Here are some actual quotes that women have heard who struggle with infertility. Kids can be a real pain. You'll have a lot of freedom. Maybe you have some kind of unconfessed sin in your life. That's bogus. A better friend might say, don't lose hope. Keep trying. But a real friend will say, I'm simply here with you. And that's all they say. They really say nothing. She has a spiritual leader, Eli. And Eli would eventually inaugurate Samuel and a son. But I don't know what seminary he went to, but there was a moment where he was not helpful. She was in the temple. She was praying. She was earnest. Her lips were moving. And as her lips were moving, it says there were no sounds coming forth. He wrongly accused her of being intoxicated and shunned her. And what we know in the New Testament is that Paul helps us and says there are times when we cry out to God when there is an anxiety and an agony that's part of our lives that language fails us and there are times where we don't know what to say to God and, and words fail us and, and we groan in our prayer. She was ahead of her time. And so do you see this? She's got a lot working against her, doesn't she? And then she has a wayward nation. It says at the end of Judges, 
It's a haunting statement. Look with me. Judges 21, verse 25. In those days, there, were, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, it was pluralistic. It was relativistic. It was anything goes. Does that sound familiar? And so she had a husband that was babbling and fumbling to encourage her. She had a, another one that she had to live with that was extremely fertile and giving that husband many children. She had a spiritual leader that dropped the ball in his own insensitivity. And she had a nation, the people of God, who were disobedient. And for 400 years, God did not speak, or at least the people weren't listening. So, what does Hannah's story teach us about living with unfulfilled desire? How is it that, that she can be heroic? I have a name for her. Hannah the heroine of hope. And with her story, I want to ask you this question. How do you handle unfulfilled desires? Do you complain about them? Do you allow other people to absorb your anger, family members and friends? Do you retreat behind a wall of silence? Well, let's look at some ways in which Hannah helps us as she is led to put before God her honest plea. Her unfulfilled desire drove her to prayer. This went on year after year, it says in verse 7. And when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept, and she could not eat anymore. Even in her depression, she was faithful to come to the temple and in fervent prayer, fervent in her prayer with pure motive, she lay before the Lord. And she says this. This is a powerful prayer. Verse 11. And she made a vow to God, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. In other words, he'll be set apart for a holy purpose. You see, she allowed her unfulfilled desire to lead her into a fervent prayer, an earnest and honest prayer. And she agonized in petition before the Lord. I believe that continued well into her motherhood. I think about mothers. I believe there is power in a mother's prayer. Now, I think there's power in a father's prayer, but there's something special about a mother's prayer. I think about Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Charles, the father of our movement called Methodism, and how each day she would meet with, with her children, and they went into double digits, okay? And, and she would meet with them, and, and she had a way of saying, I am praying. She had a way of saying, I believe there's power in prayer. She would take 
for a shawl, maybe the saintly center, uh, saintly stitchers made one here for Martha Bowman. But anyway, she'd take a shawl and she would drape it over her head. And that meant, get this, that meant you were not to mess with mama because she was praying and she was interceding on behalf of her children. There is power in a mother's prayer. I wonder how many of you today are here. I venture to say if I had a hand raising the majority of you would say it's because of a mother's relentless, persistent prayer. And so she prays. And in a wonderful moment, Eli comes around. I don't know if his district superintendent sat down and talked to him, but Eli came around, and as the priest, he said, I want you to know that God has blessed you, and may God's blessing be real unto you. May he grant your wish. And get this, it says, when she went home, she lay with her husband. She got pregnant and had a son named Samuel who would be the next great leader of Israel. And in verse 19, it kind of sums it up. It says, And the Lord remembered Hannah. And the Lord remembered Hannah. Maybe you come today and there's a part of you that says, you know, Lord, you gave me this desire. You've given me this vision. You've given me this dream. And I'm really struggling that I'm not seeing it come into fruition. I'm not even seeing it start. And you feel forgotten. Well, I want to say to you, God remembers his own. And God remembered Hannah. <coughs> and it's like in a moment it happened. It wasn't so much that her joy would come from being a mother, although that was great. Her greatest joy came in a change of heart, realizing that God was moving and that Eli had identified that and she knew, bottom line, it was going to be okay. And so she went home, she got pregnant and had a baby. She was happy. And you know the saying, when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. When daddy ain't happy, nobody cares. <laughs> and so Elkanah was excited, I know, because there had been something that was a change of heart. And what I appreciate about Anna so much is that when she went to pray, when she made that petition, it really wasn't about her. Although she had this desire to be a mother, Get this. She said, Lord, if you'll grant this petition, I will give this child back to you. I will give you this child for the work of ministry. You see, she had a fervent prayer with a pure motive. She was saying, Lord, this will be a gift twice given. You give it to me, I give it back to you. You see, there is something to be said about a litmus test on the, the motivation of our prayer. 
And one of those is if it's to do good things for others and to glorify God, it may just be in the will of God and very well may be granted. I tried to spiritualize this point with my wife recently. I bought a kayak. I shared that with you. Midlife crisis, a little late for that, but we, we're moving through that. And, and I bought this nice kayak. It was, it was, it's nice. And so I've been out kayaking with some pastors and, and uh, with regular people. And, and some of you. And, and, and so I went kayaking to the upper Okamogi. I went kayaking down to Flint. I've been over to Lake Juliet. And, and sometimes I go by myself. Sometimes I, I, I'll take somebody with me that has a kayak. But there are some people that say, Tim, when you go, take me with you. Well, I'll have a second kayak. And so I went to Delia recently. And I said, baby. I want to buy another kayak. And, and you know, she's wise. She's very spiritual and intuitive. And she said, help me with this, but you can only use one at a time, right? <laughs> and I said, that's right, honey. But it's really, it's, what I want to do is use it as a ministry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I want to be able to take our sons and Rebecca. I want to be able to uh, take some of our church folks and, uh, and, and so, what do you think? And, and she gave me the green light. It was awesome. Um, and so I had the second Cadillac, Cadillac, the second kayak in my garage. It's like a Cadillac. And, um, and so, okay, that, you know what? I think that's okay. Now, maybe I spiritualized that a little bit. But what I appreciate was that Hannah said, look, Lord, this isn't about me. Although I desire to be a mother, although I desire to give up myself in this way, I want this to be a blessing for the sake of a blessing. And the other is this. She was faithful in practicing what she had promised. You see, every one of these heroes had character about them, and that character was embedded in integrity. And she matched up her prayer Lord, if you give me this child, I will give it back unto you. And that's what she did. In verse 27, look with me. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord as he worshipped the Lord there. In our hallway at the parsonage, 23 years later, after Jacob was born, we have this cross-stitched in a frame. And it says, I prayed for Jacob. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. And so now I give him to the Lord. When you're at the parsonage, ask me that. I'll show you. Hannah was faithful because Hannah gave the child back into the Lord. And you know the beautiful thing was she had little realization as a mother that her prayer would have such impact because that son would be the first priest of Israel and that son would anoint Saul because the nation of Israel wanted a king. And he did what was right in the eyes of God. And 
and so her legacy was extended. And so what a wonderful story on this Mother's Day. It's a story of a woman who had an unfulfilled desire, and she, in a healthy way, moved toward giving that to the Lord. He honored that. She honored her promise. But I think the most important thing in this story for every one of us was in that moment when Eli said, may the Lord grant your petition. Something inside of her really heard the Lord say, it's going to be okay. She at that moment had a crucible intersection in her life where she said, God really can be trusted. God gets it. Maybe today you have dealt with something in your own life and it's an unfulfilled desire, a dream you've had, and and today, you just simply want to say, God, you get this, and I give it unto you. Maybe today you're grateful as a, as a mother or the, as, as one who's married to the mother of your children or son or daughter who's grateful, and you want to say, Lord, I thank you for the fervent prayers of a mother. Whatever God is calling you to, we want to invite you to this invitation. The altar is open. You can pray in your pews. I want to ask Ellen to come. But today, I celebrate my mother, who is with the Lord 